From Centered, welcome to the Take Root Podcast, where our purpose is to share testimonies that encourage you to deepen your roots of faith. Join host Karen Johnson to hear stories of those who have experienced God directing their own lives to a deeper, engaged faith. Well, hello, friends. It is truly a joy for me to introduce you today to my friend of over 50 years, Doug Burley. Through a lifetime of ministry to teens and adults, Doug has impacted thousands of lives, including mine, and I'm excited to share some of his story and wisdom with you today. Doug served in Young Life for over 25 years, including five years as the president. He also started Young Life's work in the former Soviet Union and lived in Moscow for several years, developing Jesus-centered conferences for young adults throughout 15 former Soviet republics. He continues in this work today, traveling to these locations to meet with the next generation, encouraging them in their faith. Doug lives near Washington, DC and leads a team at the Cedars, which is a home where international leaders gather to build friendships rooted in faith. He also serves on the National Prayer Breakfast Team, which has been hosted by members of the US Congress for the past 65 years. For the last eight years, I've had the privilege of working with Doug on the Centered Team and learning from him, especially his teaching on the principles of Jesus. So I'm thrilled to tell you that he's written a book that captures this teaching called Jesus Changes Everything. And I am so thankful that he's here with us today to share some of his story. Well, thank you, Doug. My privilege. Yeah, I wish everybody could see your wonderful smile like I get to right now. Um, it's a smile I've loved for many years. So just Thank tell you. us, how about we just start with you telling us a little about, about you and how, how you began your walk of faith. Well, I grew up, um, we never went to church. And then in about 1951, when I was six years old and we lived in Hawthorne Hills in the north end of Seattle, my parents were invited to a Billy Graham uh, meeting at Memorial Stadium by the neighbors. Huh. And um, they sat in the last row of the upper deck. And uh, after the invitation, my dad got up and he said, Lorraine, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. And we started, we started going to church and we went to mm -hmm. University Presbyterian. And I just thank God for that wonderful church. Yeah. When I was in fourth, fifth and sixth grade, I couldn't go out and play till I memorized my verses. And it started out with one or two verses and the, the last year it was things like Romans 8 1 to 39 and wow. 11 1 to 40 which took just a few hours for a, a 10 year old to do it it'd take me the rest of my life now <laughs> right I grew up in that wonderful church and I I was mm -hmm. saved but I really began a relationship with Jesus a personal one when mm -hmm. uh, my parents um signed me up for Malibu uh, I had a girlfriend I was 16 life was good uh the last thing I wanted to do was to go to Malibu they had gone when when uh I was in junior high and raved about it well you know as an adolescent you think it's the last <laughs> place I want to go but I look back and, and in awe of what God did there were huh. 20 girls from my high school and I was the only guy from Roosevelt High School and they put Ooh. me in a cabin with the wildest pagans in camp. Wow. They were from Riverside, California. And I remember we had a, a room at Lillooet. And I would be sometimes the only guy in the cabin for cabin time because they're out on the golf course kissing girls and stuff. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, you know, our cabin times were wild and raucous and so on. Our leader would have, he'd pray at the end, and I was the only one that ever prayed, okay? And then about the fifth or sixth night, the night of the cross message, I remember coming up the stairs, and the ringleader, his name was Mike, he was talking to our counselor. I look at him, my neck's on swivels as I see tears in his eyes. Wow. We come into the cabin time and it was a different deal that night. We, hmm. They talked about receiving Jesus and so on. And then I'll never forget this. At the end of the time, he prayed. Hmm. And I thought to myself, it was the worst prayer I've ever heard in my life. You know, <laughs> he didn't pray anything like people in church did. And then they hit the lights hmm. and I'm laying there in bed. And I'm thinking, you know, actually, that's the best prayer I've ever heard. He was mm -hmm. honest. He was mm -hmm. vulnerable in front of his friends. And mm -hmm. he was talking to Jesus. And I realized Mike had something I didn't have. Uh -huh. I, I believed in God. I was religious. I tried to do good things and live by the golden rule. But I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus so the next day I ask him into my life. And by the way, that was 60 years ago this week. Oh my gosh. What last, a great... week of, last week of August, 1961. Mm. Oh. I remember at the end of the week, you know, they have the say so and I'm standing up in the corner of Big Squawka and I say, I'm Doug Burley from Roosevelt High School. This week I asked Jesus to come into my life. And then I said, I want to stand tall for him. <laughs> oh, oh, I love it. Wow. So that, that's how I met Jesus. And oh. I uh, had the privilege of having a wonderful young life club led, led by Tom Rayleigh and hmm. um, Roosevelt High School. I went on to lead a club in college, 35 miles up the highway from hmm. Salem, Oregon, came to grad school and uh, had all these options open. Hmm. law school, getting a PhD. I just finished a master's in poli-sci and, and a, a, an invitation from the CIA to be a career agent there. I'd gone out during spring break and spent a week with them. Wow! And I had this offer from Young Life at the robust salary of 300 bucks a month. <laughs> and the Lord just threw me. It was hmm. a passage, by the way. It was Luke 9. 2325, where it says, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and keep close behind me. He that seeks to save his own life will lose it. The man that loses his life for my sake will save it. And then this last line, just it was in neon lights. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but loses or forfeits his own very self? <laughs> And that was one of the best decisions I ever made to go on Young Life staff and Lake Washington High School and Kirkland, Washington, hmm. you know, hmm. yeah. resigned my place in law school and told my prof at the UW I had to do something else. And he looked at me, he goes, social work? He said, hmm. don't do it for over two years. The Peace Corps had just started. Well, I did it for 25, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and just, just to back up for a second, for people who don't know Malibu and Young Life Camps, uh, Malibu is a Young Life Camp in Canada, one of the most beautiful places in the world, set in the Princess Louisa Inlet. So he, he wasn't referring to Malibu, California. He was no. talking about a camp up in Canada, just in case no. people didn't know that. So, yeah, yeah so you gave up, you, you are fluent in Russian, correct? 
Well, I wouldn't say I'm fluent. I started okay. taking, taking Russian as a junior in Roosevelt High School. I can't wow. believe they offered it. 1961, huh. same year I met the Lord, and huh. uh, I started taking Russian. And so I've had four or five years of it, and I can get by really well with somebody having dinner, talking with them. Mm -hmm. But if I give a message, I want a translator because I want okay. it to be exact. Okay, so. okay. So, so you did you did all this work with youth for many, many years, and, and you impacted my life too. I think I already said that, but that's how I came to faith was through Young Life, and you were a part of that story way back in the day for me too. So I just want to say thank you for that. Um, but you've also worked in the 15 former Soviet republics, and, and that's impacted thousands of lives over there. Could you tell us a little bit about that, how you started yeah. doing that, and what, what you do there? Yeah. Well, of course, I had, uh, as president of Young Life, uh, Doug Coe, my father-in-law, uh, who'd worked with the last nine presidents in Washington, D.C., and worked with the prayer breakfast, and was a real mentor in my life. He had a friend who headed up the Soviet Academy of Sciences, Yevgeny Velikov. And uh, Doug always said, we're only two or three relationships away from anybody in the world. You know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. So I built a friendship with Dr. Velikov, and we started a partnership with Young Life. This is during communism in 87, 88. Wow. And with the Soviet Academy of Sciences and mm -hmm. the Young Life. And what we do is a hundred kids would go to the U.S., stay with families for several weeks and then go to a Young Life camp. And mm -hmm. then we'd have a hundred of our campaigner believer kids that would go to Russia, live with families and put on a Young Life camp for Russians. So I oh. remember going to meet with Dr. Velikov and I'd say, you know, Dr. Velikov, Gosh, 90% of these kids met Jesus. And we laugh about this now. He's 86. Hmm. We're still friends. But he would say to me, Doug, that's wonderful. Please don't tell me about it. <laughs> oh. Because as head of the Academy of Sciences, and, and he was, by the way, the first scientist that was sent to Chernobyl in 1986 oh my gosh a, a wonderful man just a, a wonderful man but a, a lifelong friend but that's how we got started with young life and then after i left as president of young life i had the opportunity to work with the billy graham crusade in 1992 93 hmm. and our family moved over there uh, just for less than a year um and uh my, my responsibility was to lead a school for 6,000 young people during the crusade. During the day, we had a notebook with the, the wheel. You know, the wheel is the one that has Christ in the center and then the different spokes. And we gave them all 18 Christian books translated into Russian. Just think about that, 6,000 piles of 18 books. Wow. And I had a team of young leaders I worked with, and we, we would meet with them during the day. And at night in the crusade, they would be ushers, choir, and counselors. Hmm. At the end of the week, I met with the team of a dozen that I'd worked with for six months preparing this. And I said, what do you guys want to do? And they said, we want to do these conferences in all of our countries. Wow. That was in October of 92. We've probably done 65 in all 15 countries hmm. of the former Soviet Union and every region of Russia. Wow. Uh, you know, Eastern Siberia, Western Siberia, Chechnya, Moscow, St. Petersburg, 
Rostov on the Don River, all, all over the place. So what a privilege. And we taught these principles. Um, and mm -hmm. let me talk a little bit about these principles because uh, really what I did, the pandemic came along and uh, we had a little extra time and in a, <laughs> a period of about four weeks, I penned 19 chapters of the things that Doug Coe and I and others have taught for many years. Mm -hmm. And we call them the principles of Jesus and the attributes of a disciple. And in the Great Commission, if you remember, in Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in this line, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. What's that everything I commanded you? And we're not trying to say, hey, we've got it. No, but what we've tried to do is take the essence of what Jesus taught his disciples in those three years of walking the dusty roads of Galilee and, and to try to coalesce that. And we, we've got seven principles um, and 10 attributes or qualities of a disciple that Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, be a person who loves, be a person who bears fruit, be a person who makes disciples, be a person who knows the scriptures, and so on. So it really is the essence of what Jesus taught his disciples. And I have just loved teaching this to thousands of people. And so at age 75 last year, I thought, well, maybe it's time to write them down. You know, I'm not going to live forever. And what a blessing it was to do mm -hmm. that. I'm so I, glad you did. Well, I sat in Doug Coe's study. We owned a, a oh. house together and he passed on four years ago. But yeah. I sat in his study and I would write a chapter a day. Hmm. Uh, and, and sometimes I'd think of a story I hadn't thought of in 25 years. And this happened a number of times. I'd break down and weep. And I just say, Lord, it is so much fun mm. writing a book with you. Yeah. Okay. Not about you, with you. And I yeah. felt that. So uh. it's been a great blessing. And if you want me to, I'll share a little bit about these principles. I uh, would love that. I would absolutely love that. Uh, and I want to preface this by saying uh, you taught these to me about eight years ago when I joined the center team. And I just um, loved sitting at your feet and learning from you it meant so much to me thank you and so i'm delighted that you've actually written it in a book so others can ha have it too well and you share the principles but what you do is you share a lot of stories mm -hmm. and the stories are the window that people mm -hmm. can look and understand the principle mm -hmm. okay. mm -hmm. so well the first one is the purpose and uh, you know this is a sad thing but you ask most evangelicals, what's the purpose of a follower of Jesus? And they will tell you, well, to make disciples, uh, to, you know, to lead people to Christ. And I'll say to them, let's see now, how long have you been married? And they'll say 45 years. And what's your wife's name, Susie? Well, could I just ask you, when you proposed to Susie, did you say, Susie, I love you. Will you have my children? Well, of course <laughs> not. <laughs> I'll bet you said, Susie, I love you. Will you spend your life with me? And by the way, children came along. They weren't the goal, but they were a loving byproduct mm. of a love relationship. And of course, Jesus said the purpose was to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
and our neighbor as ourselves. And then he said, all the law and the prophets. In other words, everything in the scriptures to that time is summed up or hangs on these two commands. Yeah. So what I try to communicate in the midst of that is the dip with this principle is the difference between religion. Yeah. I actually have two little boxes. One is religion rules and performance the second one is jesus love relationship and i think it's kind of sad but i think the vast majority of churchgoers primarily live in the first box i'm not trying to say whether they're saved or not that's between them and god that's not my decision but they've missed what they were created for a love relationship with a person yeah. And so that's what we talk about when we talk about the purpose is the love relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, I use the Apostle Paul's uh, uh, autobiographical journey in Philippians 3 from being a religious person to a metamorphosis in his life where he met Jesus and his mm -hmm. whole life changed as a wonderful illustration of that. And mm -hmm. so that's the first one we talk about. The second one is called the work of God. And again, when you ask a lot of people, what's the work of God? They'll tell you, well, to lead people to Christ, to make disciples. It's not what Jesus said. Yeah. He said the work of God is to believe yeah. in the one he sent. And every issue in my life comes down to that. I like to say to people, ask the Lord to install a spiritual smoke alarm in your head and heart and every time you worry get angry or fearful it goes off hmm. and those are all symptoms of unbelief aren't they hmm. worry, yeah. anger fear hmm. uh, it goes off and reminds you doug do the work of god and it's hmm. been a, a wonderful principle for me because my smoke alarm goes off all the time <laughs> realize yeah. no the work of god's to believe and by the way faith mm -hmm. is talked about more than any other subject in the gospels except the kingdom of god mm -hmm. so it's really important and i think it's b and the abcs mm -hmm. the third one is probably the one that impacted me the most after i left young life and mm -hmm. that is what is the gospel or what mm -hmm. is the message mm -hmm. and the first time i heard this <laughs> You know, it, it really resonated with me. And mm -hmm. we believe the gospel is the person. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm -hmm. No man comes to the Father except by me. The way is a person. Mm. Truth is a person. Yeah. Life, to be truly life, is life lived with this person. That's had an enormous effect on me. Uh, I found that I stopped using words like Christianity, and Christian, they're not bad words, mm -hmm. but across the world, they mean different things. It's like the word gay. 50 mm -hmm. years ago, I could say, so-and-so, you're a gay person, and they'd say, thank you. It mm -hmm. meant happy or jolly. It means a different mm -hmm. thing today. I think yeah. those yeah. terms, sadly, um, you know, with all the religious wars have yeah. become, you know, a bit tainted. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, I love what it says to me is our message is a person. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I've got a good friend, George Tolls, who has a thing called His Deal, businessmen downtown. I've been coming to speak there for 25 years. And mm. a year or two ago, a businessman came up to me after I'd talked to these businessmen 
at the Washington Athletic Club. And he said, you know, every time you come here, all you talk about is Jesus. <laughs> and to him, it was a curiosity. To me, it was a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our message is this person. You know, Christianity never changed anybody. Jesus right. did. Right. You know, and, uh, and I understand we call this religion Christianity. But, you know, when I was in college in the Phi Delta Theta house, I was the only believer in the house. And guys would come up to my room always at, late at night, always alone. Mm. And the question they'd ask me that really bothered me was, mm. how do you know Christianity is the right religion? And Aaron, I would answer it completely differently this year or now. I would say, well, I don't believe it is the right religion. I believe Jesus is the only person that can change the human heart. Yeah. No religion can do it. Only yeah. Jesus. That's and a good answer. Spirit. So uh, the fourth one is, hmm. is a real practical one. What is the ministry? It's reconciliation. First yeah. with God, then with ourselves. We can't love other people if we don't love ourselves, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a, dig, a big difference between self-love, mm -hmm. which I think is agreeing with God about who we are and selfish love, which is putting me at the center. Mm -hmm. So um, the ministry of reconciliation, first with God, then with other, with, with, with myself, then with others. Yeah. And I love this because most Believers don't even know Matthew 18 and Matthew 5 that talk about what to do when when a brother offends me or I offend a brother is to work it out. And Jesus commands us to do this. And so many believers don't even know this. How can you follow somebody if you don't know what he tells you to do? Yeah. So I love talking about this one. Uh, because it's so practical. And then if we're right with, with God and with ourselves and others, the last one is reconciliation with the world as an ambassador. We get to represent him. What yeah. an honor right. you know, for evangelism, for discipleship, for caring for the needs of the world, like world hunger, sex trafficking, uh, pandemics, earthquakes, all these things, we can join Jesus in what he's doing around the world. What an honor that Indeed. would be mm -hmm. to do that. The fifth one is what is the church? And uh, we believe it's people together in Jesus and he only has one. Okay. Yeah, that's right. A lot of branch offices, but one church. And that's been such a blessing for me to realize we're all in this together. And the best message that Jesus can have in 2021 is the followers of Jesus that love one another and follow him. And it's why he said, uh, a new command I give you, love one another, even as I've loved you, you should also love one another. For by this, the whole world will know yes. your disciples if you love one another. So, you know, Jesus is walking around today, his mm -hmm. arms and legs and eyes and ears and big toes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I like to say when I'm preaching at a church and I'm looking at him today, mm -hmm. his, his people. And when we understand the church that way, we realize, yeah, it can be an assembly on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. But Karen, this is a church right now. You and I yeah. talking together with these yeah. 
It's people together in Jesus. And he just has one. The sixth, one. the sixth one is the method of leadership. And what I love about this one is it's the opposite of the way the world thinks. They define leadership as giving orders to people. Jesus not only defined it, he lived it out. Did he ever? He, he said it's servanthood. Mm -hmm. It's serving. And if we can be love slaves, those are people that used to be slaves to sin. Mm -hmm. They got set free. And mm -hmm. then they decided out of love to become servants again. Mm. And uh, we call those, the Greek word is doulos. We call them love slaves. And I want to be one of those. Mm. With a big smile on my face, we get to serve people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it's, it's the opposite of the way the world thinks. And we need more servant leaders, people that are all about loving others yep. because of Jesus' sake. What does he say? We love because he first loved, loved us. us. The last principle, ironically, is the one that's talked about most, the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And it's talked about 120 times in the Gospels. And what I find is the average young person has little or no understanding of, the, of this kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I love to put it on the bottom shelf. And I'll say, okay, well, there's one other kingdom in the scriptures. What is it? Usually they'll get it, the kingdom of the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, who's the king of the kingdom of God? And of course, it's God, but the way we know him is through Jesus. Mm -hmm. Okay, who's the king of the kingdom of the world? Well, the scripture tells us Satan is. Mm. Wow. Mm. So what's the kingdom of God consist of? Unseen things, for we look not to the things that are seen, things that are unseen, love, joy, peace, patience, all the fruit of the spirit, relationships in Christ. Everything except demons. You can't see them either, but uh, unseen things. Mm -hmm. And what's the kingdom of the world consist of? Mm -hmm. Everything you can see, mm -hmm. even these bodies. And we're not taking any of these things with us. That's right. My father-in-law, when I married Debbie 47 years ago, he said, Doug, invest your life in things that are eternal. Mm -hmm. I can think of two, a relationship with Jesus and relationships with family and friends in Jesus. And then he paused and he looked right at me and said, 10,000 years from now, mm. those things matter. They do. So the last question I asked the kids is, so which kingdom do you live in? I love doing this because <laughs> they usually want to please me. So they'll go, um, the kingdom of God. And I'll go, well, that's funny. I can see you. <laughs> and think, well there's only one other option the kingdom of the world and i'll go that's too bad and then there's a long pause and somebody will say both both yeah i'll go yeah you are right um both we're in the world and then and not of the world and then i talk about money sex and power hmm. and how do we navigate with money for instance we want to use it but we don't want it to use us we mm -hmm. want to have a loose hand on it we want to be generous with it uh, we want to be stewards of the resources god gives us sex mm -hmm. you know what a tragedy mm -hmm. in our world today with the sex trafficking yeah. with the whole the, the whole identity sex identity thing of, of mm -hmm. whether you're a male or a female or whatever but you know the lord made it really clear you know, mm -hmm. he said, well, I created male and female. And I know the world's really confused about that. 
and we want to respond with love. Yes. But, mm -hmm. but we know who we are. Our identity is forged in Jesus. And, uh, and he's the one that shows us who we are, not mm -hmm. the world. Yeah. And then power, of course, obviously, a lot of people are using power for horrific things. We watch what's happening in Afghanistan right now with the Taliban taking over and ISIS and breaks my heart. Oh, it breaks my heart too. And I see these people in harm's way and these women that are being abused and, and people being beheaded and so on. And, mm. you know, you just realize it's, there's so much evil that's out there. And yet we are called to use power for good. I love yeah. mother Teresa, probably the most celebrated person in the 20th century. She said, I'm a pencil in the hand of God. Uh, and beautiful. can't do a thing until somebody picks it up and uses it, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they can draw a masterpiece, okay? Mm. They, they can do wonders with that, you know, mm. but the pencil, apart from it, what, what's Jesus tell us? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do nothing, yeah. So... We want the kingdom of God to be something alive and practical for a person. So I love talking about it. That's awesome. It's beautiful. I, I just love once again, hearing you share these principles and I get to share them with all the women I work with. And I, I just take great joy in doing that. You know, what's interesting. I've been teaching them for 30 years and the attributes of a disciple and it never gets old or boring. And the mm -hmm. reason for that is they're not static, yeah. they're dynamic. They keep getting bigger and bigger, okay? Yeah. We're yeah. plumbing the depths of Jesus and his spirit, and they just keep getting bigger. bigger. <laughs> so I love talking about them. I'm mm -hmm. always doing Skype or, or Zoom or whatever with people all yeah. over the world. It's really mm -hmm. fun to do it. It never mm -hmm. gets old because I, I realize it. I'm talking as much to me as I am to them. Well, listen, what we have been through, uh, we have all been through just a really challenging time. We're still in it, actually. We're not through this yet. And no. I'm just curious, one more question for you. What, what has God been teaching you in this season? What have you been learning? Well, I've, I've got one more thing that's added i got uh, i got cancer in the prostate here about six months ago and i'm going to combine that with this pandemic because mm. here here's, here's the message that i'm getting mm. god never wastes anything mm. everything that comes along he will use it if mm. we respond to him in faith and trust and love mm. so i look at this pandemic and uh, I've been meeting with people last summer. I think I met with 150 people when I was out here in the mm -hmm. Northwest. I hugged virtually every one of them. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to be stupid, but I can't live in fear. I can't mm -hmm. do it. You know, mm -hmm. what, is, what does it tell us in scripture? There's no fear in love, perfect love, mm -hmm. casts out fear. I, I want to be careful. I was one of the first ones to get my two shots by February 20th. I had them and then I'm out mm -hmm. traveling the world again. Mm -hmm. um, same thing with cancer, you mm -hmm. know, is I look at it and go, Lord, what do you want me to learn through this? Wow. And I have learned a ton through mm -hmm. it. I've, I've encountered some wonderful people. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I went down to Mayo, Phoenix and I stayed for three days with an old young life kid from Bellevue High, Dan Elkins and his wife, Terry, who'd met mm -hmm. the Lord. 
I had a fabulous time with he, mm. he pastors at church, met with all these folks, had a wonderful time. I'm thinking God doesn't waste anything. Everything mm. that comes along, if we take it in the right spirit, he'll yeah. use it. Wow. This pandemic has been a tremendous opportunity to connect mm. with people, uh, <laughs> to realize, you know, the Lord doesn't want us to be fearful and shrink <laughs> and disappear and so on. He, he wants us to observe the, the fact, I, I don't try to do reckless things, but I just realize he's in everything that happens. Mm -hmm. We can find him if we look for him. Mm. He never wastes anything. That's beautiful. That's a great, great learning. Thank you for sharing about your cancer. I didn't know if you'd want to do that, but we will oh, sure. Absolutely. It's an opportunity. For you. I, I, when I go back to the Cedars here in a couple of weeks in Washington, I will head over to Sibley Hospital every day for about six weeks and do this proton radiation therapy. And you know what? You sit there in the waiting room, Karen, mm -hmm. and every person there has cancer. Yeah. And I would love to visit with a few of them mm. and to pray for them mm. and realize, you know, I'm not fearful about this. I look at it and go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to learn? You, mm -hmm. I got lots to learn, so I'm I'm ready, okay? Mm -hmm. But I don't have one iota of fear. And by the way, an example for me was Connie Jacobson. Oh. Connie was uh, our departed brother about 10 years ago. And uh, well, mm -hmm. I loved Connie. I worked with him for 40 years. And mm -hmm. uh, and I remember he had pancreatic cancer. He decided not to, to do the chemo. And um, my wife and I were riding with he and Judy to a dinner several weeks before he died. And Debbie asked him, Connie, what are you reading in scripture? And he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is mm. gain. And he said, mm. I don't have one iota of fear mm. about cancer. I don't wanna leave my wife and my family. Yeah. I'll miss them and so on. But he said, I don't, I, I'm excited to meet Jesus, you know? Mm. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's exactly what Paul said in Philippians 1, 21. So I think the Lord doesn't call us to be fearful. I think he calls us to be expectant. And mm -hmm. Lord, what do you want me to learn? And how can I use this to yeah. bring honor to you? Well, that's beautiful. Well, like I said, when we started, you have impacted so many lives. And what a blessing to think of the ripple effects of that. Like to think of all those young people in the Soviet Union and those countries and all the young people well, you've been meeting with some this week, some of your former Young Life kids and the, the, the lives that the lives that have been changed and then their kids and yeah. your kids. You have an amazing wife, Debbie, and four adult kids and 16 grandkids. Yeah, each of our right? four has four, eight boys, eight girls. Oh my yeah. gosh. We're lucky. So, we love every one of them. Yeah. What a blessing. And so I know that the ripple effects through your own family are amazing as well. So thank you so much, Doug, for being with us today and for your teaching. I just love you and I'm thankful for you, brother. Thank you, dear. I love you too. Thank you for listening to the Take Root Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share. To learn more about Centered and hear more stories of discovery and growth in Jesus, visit us at centered.org.